0: Pride Institute is an LGBTQ-specific treatment center for substance use disorder and addiction. Pride was first opened in 1986 as a direct response to the HIV-AIDS pandemic. We provide care to adults 18 plus in residential and outpatient settings. I'm Luke. And I'm Kaylee. And together, we are the co-hosts of the Proud Voices podcast for Pride Institute.
1: I've actually been in recovery for like 32 years and um, I came in uh, as uh, addicted to cocaine and crack cocaine back in the late early 80s, early 90s. I got, um, with the help of uh, the rooms, I was able to acquire 10 and a half years until around um, around early 2000s, I relapsed and I went out. I was out again for another two years. Um, I started going back to... to um, you know, I I actually was able to get my life back together. I went back to school. I got two master's degrees. I was teaching school. Um, I was active uh, uh, in all uh, other activities. I was a swimmer. I got involved in sports, um, lifeguarding. Uh, I did a lot of. I pursued all my other interests, and including being involved in uh, in the in the in recovery programs. I was a sponsor. I had sponsees. I. Um, I thought I was doing what I needed to do until I stopped doing it. And that meant I stopped going to meetings. I stopped um, uh, being involved. I would show up for my uh, anniversary once, you know, once a year, and that was it, you know, so I really wasn't working the program. I took my will back and eventually I relapsed and that took me out, started using again, um, uh, cocaine um, and then a little bit of crystal meth and, I went and entered a uh, outpatient rehab. I was able to get come back because I was a teacher. And I, you know what I, I believe that I I owed it, if anything, I owed it to the students um before I could, you know, myself. And um, that was my motivation. And um I started working the steps, which I hadn't really done that much before. Um that that continued for another uh nine nine and a half to ten years until uh, things in life you know, became unbearable for me. I lost my mom. Um, There were things with my job that were really troubling and um, other things like life on life's terms just really got hard for me. And my, um, my sobriety was, it was kind of shaky at the time. Um, And I started acting out. I started uh, using the, the apps. I started going out and um, having a lot of casual sex and, um, and I and I also went to people, places and things I started using. Um, I started having sex with people who were using and, um, you know, they said if you, <laughs> if you go to the barbershop long enough, uh, you know, uh, you're going to end up getting a haircut, which I did. And, um, I went out hard. I, um, Actually, it was a result of uh, some, a lot of trauma I was going through. I had a, a, a tenant living with, you know, first a roommate and uh, he was uh, uh, mentally ill and he had me arrested for some false accusations. And I was, I went through a lot of legal issues. I went through, um, I, I I just uh, had a hard time coping with all the problems I was uh, having, dealing, dealing with. And um, I started using, And, um, I, I went from smoking crystal meth to slamming, which is like intravenously, intravenously. And, um, once the uh, drug was in my system, there was no, uh, I had no decision. It it made a decision for me. I would be, I was a chaser. I went after it like really hard. I I'd be up for like anywhere from four to six days, you know? And, um, it would take me to places I have no idea how I got there, you know, and, and very dangerous. Um, I was driving while using, I always had a bag of crystal in my in my pocket. Um, I ended up, um, you know, having my car repossessed. <laughs> I lost, I was behind on six months of rent. Um, I was getting tired of having STDs. I had a, an infection in my arm. I ended up in the hospital for over a week under a lot of um, antibiotics. And my arm I almost lost my arm um um due to the infection from using um and um, I was spiritually bankrupt, you know, I just had nothing to really live for, and I had lost i I must have lost like thirty pounds within a month, my family started worrying and like wondering what was going on, and all the while I was in therapy, I was lying to my therapist um I was starting to hallucinate, and um I just um. Uh, I just felt like I, I was losing myself, you know, and I was in housing court several times trying to um, save my house, my apartment that I'd been there living for uh, rent stabilized for 30 years. And um, I just, um, I knew that I had been in in outpatient before. And I said, I, I put myself through it again. And um, as much as I, I could, Talk the talk. I couldn't walk the walk. I could not stay sober, and they would, I would, I was like a veteran of, of sobriety, but I couldn't stay sober in in the in the um, outpatient. And the uh, counselor said, "Well, I like all what you have to offer. You have a lot of experience and knowledge of the program, but you can't stay sober. We can't have you stay here anymore." <laughs> you know. So I was getting fired from my own outpatient rehab here in New York City, and I thought, well. I'll prove, you know, give me another chance. I can prove it to you. So he gave me like, all right, two weeks, you come in and we'll test you and see how you do. And I said, yeah, okay, you're on. And I went out and, and I stayed sober for two weeks. And uh, um, I came back and took a urine test and he came out clean. And I said, you see, I can do it. And that night on the stroke of midnight, I went out and, um, and then the next time he said, well, I don't know. Now I, I say, well, he says, can you do it for a month? And I did it for 30 days. And and it was just, it was transactional. I wasn't doing it for me or, you know, it was something to prove, you know? So I eventually, uh, he said, well, we're going to look for a, a, a rehab for you. And um, I uh, I ended up at Pride and i um, I was uh, I remember it was just I was excited to go, but then really reluctant at the same time because I just kept looking ahead and fearful of, well, now what? Like, uh, I don't have this crutch, you know, I can't um, how to like I forgot how to live life on life's terms. And I remember having a panic attack on the plane over. And um, anyway, that's how I got to pride (laughs) and um it was such a relief to be out of like in, I was in a bubble and it kept me from we were you know killing myself basically and it re it re, uh, opened my eyes to um what my purpose in living is and what my purpose in life is and I really am more than grateful for that. And so um that's how I got there. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, good for you for, uh, for sticking with it. I mean, you've been through a few um, treatment stints and you never gave up. Um, Was it really beneficial for you? Do you think to move out of the state you were living in to go to treatment?
1: Yeah, I, I felt um, I, I I was going to go to a place in Pennsylvania and uh, for some reason Oh, Pride didn't have a bed for me at the time, and I thought, okay, I'm ready to go to this place. But then I was, then I kind of backed out of it for some reason, and um, then Pride called me and said, we have some, we were, we have a a bed available, and um, I also never addressed my issues with my sexuality, and my doctor said, um. This would really be the best place for you to not only address your addiction, but your, um, you know, uh, your, your struggle with with your uh, sexual identity, which I have been kind of, um, for most of my life, lived in a lot of shame over. And um, when I got to Pride, my counselor gave me the book, The Velvet Rage, which was a really wonderful read, and I stuck with that and. Um, I was able. I felt safer because you know I I go to uh, the rooms here in New York City, the uh, NYCMA or Cocaine Anonymous in those rooms, and there were a lot of at the center at the LGBTQ center, which is a very safe haven for me. And I and I just felt this would be a great great fit for me to a, a safe place. You know, um, I don't have to fear feel uh, fearful about coming to terms with my, you know, sexuality and stuff. And I could also identify with the other, um, other people there, you know, and um, uh, that was really good. And uh, we, we were in small groups and a lot of people in my group also share the same experiences um, with crystal math, which um, they call it the gay drug, you know, um, because I used it very, you know, in part with, with sex, my, um, having sex, you know, it's sort of, uh, it's like a club, I'm not a club person, but, um, it's often used as, um, to enhance, um, your sex drive. So, um, that was something I was able to deal with, you know, um, and I'm just glad I, I was there. I felt in a safer place, you know,
0: yeah. One thing about crystal meth too, that I know a lot of people use it for is fear of intimacy. Um, was that a part of your story at all? Like, you know, cause you had mentioned struggling with your sexuality Did crystal meth, I guess, give you power oh. to have sex.
1: Absolutely. It took away what shame I have had about it. I, I went through a, I, I haven't had, had very few partners. I mean, you know, long-term relationships and one of which in the early eighties I had was a very like um, fatal attraction relationship. And it traumatized me over years. And, um, I was never able to feel safe. Um, and, um, with anyone or a lot of, um, issues with, um, you know, feeling, uh, I could try and trust issues. So what it does with just takes, just takes all that away. And, um, uh, and you just feel so empowered. And um, I mean, uh, it. I don't have any qualms about it. I just, yes, it, it does enhance your se- uh, your sexual drive. And, uh, but then it leaves you so empty. It, it would take me like by over a week just to recover and um, just physically draining. Like you're not eating, you're not sleeping. I um, And then the shame behind it, you know, like the loss of time. I spent on just loss of money, you know, then I would have no, <laughs> nothing to, you know, I, I would clean out my, my bank account and uh, I'd have to wait for the next check to come in. And it was just, it was demoralizing, you know? So um, yeah, it just robs you of your soul and um, everything that you ever, you know, anything that you were ever proud of, just, just wipes that away. But uh yeah, it was. Um, and it's very hard afterwards to actually have sex um, after you've done it with um, with meth, you know, and that's why it takes, uh, you know, you have to, it's, it's important to continue take, going to therapy and then talking about it with others who have been through that, you know, so.
0: And then you had brought up the velvet rage, which I think is a really popular. Well, not I think I know uh, is a super popular book amongst gay men specifically. Um, what about that book or what was
1: the biggest takeaway you had from that book? It's been a long time since I read it. It -hmm. was, uh, it was a 2014. Um, I just, what I felt, was just something I, I just identified with every, every aspect of it. Like the stories were like, it was told like almost from my perspective, like I, I could, um, I just know that I'm not alone. I just remember that feeling that, uh, those experiences that people have been in the, in the book have gone through are just, you know, uh, and, and any question, like, even as far as, as far as my childhood, you know, just feeling different and feeling like I'm not really having the language to, uh, to put on it. Like, why, why aren't I like the others? And I never understanding that. And then understanding my, um, need to be a perfectionist and need to be um, also, also it's like, you know, uh, just feeling not good enough, you know, never feeling enough. And um, that was something I, I, I really remember, um, something I could identify with. And also, you know, uh, the, the, the way to respond to it would be to act out, whether it's sexual sexually or with drugs or with, um, you know, over overachieving, you know, those, those to compensate for that.
0: Yeah. He talks about that specifically at length in that book, that idea of overachieving and and perfecting, because it's like this idea of like, if I succeed and go as far as I can professionally or athletically or whatever, they will then see my success rather than my sexuality and they can never, they can never see my sexuality. So they have to see me in this light.
1: Exactly. My father was a, was an athlete. He was a football player and I, I was a swimmer and I always felt so much pressure being like excelling like and swimming. And I wasn't, it was like almost transactional. If I didn't do well, then he didn't love me. You know, that was the sort of thing. And, um, and also just feeling, uh, as far as your looks are concerned, you know, there's always that pressure of feeling like, am I, you know, it's my body on point, uh, and and not just feeling everything is um surface level and um and it's you never enough so uh it, it just helped explain a lot of things and yeah it gave me the answer to uh why those those feelings came up and and why actually I picked up drugs over it
0: what tools did you pick up to combat that shame and stigma
1: well um I do have a sponsor that's, um, that's wonderful, you know, and I, I think uh, he's been there for me and, and I've been actually really getting more into the step work than I ever did before. I've just finished rereading. I've been to all my steps, but I just did um, step six or six and seven I'm reading a really great book called, on uh, drop the rock if anyone hasn't read it it's uh it's called drop the rock removing character defects step 6 and 7 so i highly re- recommend that and um we talked about simply uh lately about um self-centered fear and how it's the chief activator of um character defects and that kind of thing and what we don't do out of love we are doing out of fear and um and fear can manifest itself in a lot of things like um gossip, aggressive, aggression, self-pity, shyness, procrastination, and that kind of thing. And and just you know, getting the way to deal with it would be like just to ask for help, you know. And there's no shame in asking for help. And um what I did, what I also just got in touch with with with, with a higher power. And uh, when I was at Pride, it was so it was nice that um, uh, on weekends, we would go to different houses of worship. Uh, We went to a Zen Buddhist temple. We went to a non-denominational Christian church. Uh, We had a man doing came from Buddhism um gave a talk on that and i think um whatever you find your higher power is important um because it's something that you know i think this is a disease of the body the mind the mind and the spirit and um we have to address all all those three and spirit is really important to me and if i just learned to just to breathe you know and just be mindful of my breath you know um and the more we are aware of that, of our breath, the more we are connected to like our emotions. And I work now with um, seniors, uh, fitness class, and we just start every, just centering our bodies and just really getting in touch with breath. And um, I don't know, I just, I, I, the, the lesson of pause is a big one. If you just sometimes pause and um just know that there's like some of the slogans help me this too shall pass. You know, sometimes we're just confronted with a lot of um, issues that come up, you know, life and sobriety is not all, you know, uh, roses. <laughs> it's, it's, it has, it's, you know, it's, it's tough sometimes, but it's how we handle it, you know? And, and I think I'm grateful, you know, like I, I mean, and it's also about just coming back, you know, when I left pride, it was um, the middle of May And I was able to get, I stayed sober for four months. And what I did was I let go of some of that. I still had, I still had a little reservation and I relapsed because people were, they didn't trust that I was still still sober. And um, I ran out for a month and I just said, you know, what? I, I can't do this. You know, I, if, if I have to do this for me now, you know, I don't care what they think. Um, and I also try to remember what I, you know, what I just went through, you know, and, um, and they just, and, the, the, you know, it's just slowing, keep coming back. You know, I, I still have, I've seven and a half years. And um, what I do is I keep coming back to beginner meetings too. It keeps me humble, you know, keeps me teachable and keeps me open, you know, like in trying to, um, identify their, their feelings and um, what they're going through and and empathize and just be there for them. You know, if they never come back again, fine. But I know that I always try to make it sure that I reach out to them because I've been there, you know, I just take time to breathe and meditate too. You know, I'm just kind of every day, every day I start, I get on my knees, hands and knees and pray in the morning and just, you know, I start the day with God help me stay sober if that's all there is to the prayer. And at night I said, thank you. So I was pleased and thank you. You know, it's really important. And what I learned to pry to is like, you know, go to early direction, uh, make your bed <laughs> and, um, you know, just try to uh, reach out, be help, be of help to somebody, you know, if it's, um and it, it, it doesn't if you're not perfect one day if something happens which I had the other day, um, I can't beat myself up about it. You know, I you know, I'm human. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm not going to act out um, the way perfect all the time. I'm not going to act sober all the time. But you know, like it's a, a you know, live and learn. You know, like I just try to learn from my mistakes and move on. You know, that's all.
0: Um, I think that's some really great advice. You had some really great points. Uh, Well, thank you so much for being here today and sharing a little bit about you and what worked for you in recovery. And hopefully someone out there will take what you said and apply it to themselves.
1: Oh, I hope so too. And and one day maybe if I'm out in Minnesota, I'd like to visit.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Proud Voices. You can find us where you find all your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to follow and subscribe. We'll see you next time.